Welcome to the Sharing Our Journey podcast, a podcast ministry of Harrodsburg Baptist Church. I am your host, Jonathan Johnston, and with me today uh, is Haddon Dean, attorney at law, member of our church here and, and one of our lay leaders. Good to have you, Haddon. Great to be here, Jonathan. Thank you for inviting me. And you may ask yourself, because I've never had an attorney on here before, so if you're listening to this, you may say, why, why is he bringing an attorney on? Well, today... We're going to be looking at a subject that attorneys are very familiar with. We're looking at justice. Uh, and if you've been following along in our Ecclesiastes series, you know that every week we're chasing something. Uh, and, and this week we're chasing justice. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse uh, 16. And we're going to go through chapter 4, verse 3. And that reads, I also observed under the sun, there is wickedness at the place of judgment and there is wickedness at the place of righteousness. I said to myself, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, since there is a time for every activity and every work. I said to myself, this happens concerning people, so that God may test them, and they may see for themselves that they are like animals. For the fate of people and the fate of animals is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath. People have no advantage over animals, for everything is futile. All are going to the same place, all come from dust, and all return to dust. Who knows if the spirit of people rises upward and the spirit of animals goes downward to the earth? I have seen that there is nothing better than for a person to enjoy his activities, because that is his reward. For who can enable him to see what will happen after he dies? Again, I observed all the acts of oppression being done under the sun. Look at the tears of those who are oppressed. They have no one to comfort them. Power is with those who oppress them. They have no one to comfort them. So I admired the dead, who have already died, more than the living, who are still alive. But better than either of them is the one who has not yet existed, who has not seen the evil activity that is done under the sun. What an uplifting passage we have today, right? <laughs> Makes me want to stick my head in an oven. <laughs> I mean, this is uh, this is this is depressing. If you listen to it, uh, people are no better than animals. He says. Um, so let's walk back through a little bit and say and, and see what what is Solomon really saying. We know he's very wise. So what is he really saying here? Obviously, last week we were in in this same chapter and. The familiar passage of 1 through 8 in Ecclesiastes 3 is that there is a time for everything. And and so he's come to that conclusion, but now he observes around him that wickedness falls on both the righteous and the unrighteous. We see that in life. Bad things happen to people we would deem as good. Bad things happen to people that we would deem as not so good. Um, and sometimes it seems there's no justice or fairness in that. So he kind of asked the question, where, where is, where's justice? Where can I go to find it? It's a good question. Um, it's interesting that this is coming from arguably one of the most wise persons that ever walked the earth, Mm -hmm. uh, because he was granted wisdom and, uh, it, it seems that he's being tortured by the wisdom he was granted right. with these yeah. passages. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think we all can see across the globe and, and, and maybe to some extent, you know, here in the United States, 
you know, a, a lot of very serious injustice. But uh, as we talked before, you know, I, I think that my take on this is you got two sources of what justice really is measured against. And the justice of the world is what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, subject to the laws of the United States or uh, whatnot, uh, does someone have justice if they've been wronged or not? That's maybe a judicial determination. Mm-hmm. But to some degree, I think what Solomon's saying is that there's those that are, for whatever reason, not subject to the governmental justice that uh, we we enjoy now for the most part in America. Um, but that later in the scripture, uh, as, I, as I recall, is positioned against the justice of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's easy to get downtrodden if you didn't have the second piece of justice, but uh, right. all too often in in my work, the last thing I think uh, that maybe I want some of my clients or, uh, or or those that I see in in a judicial proceeding, the last thing they really want is justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they 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 need a lot more mercy right. than they do justice. Yep. But um, you know, to to that degree, I think Solomon's struggling with what he sees, and again, I think anybody listening to this podcast can probably point to injustice and, and kind of cry out is where is law enforcement? Where is just the moral right or wrong to things? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's easy to do that. Mm -hmm. And and we've seen a lot of those questions, especially in recent years in our, in our culture and in our society, right? There's, it seems every night on the news, there's some story where it, it begs that question. Um, And, you know, and, and then you have, acts of nature or random things that happen where, you know, on the news last night, we see that Eastern Kentucky that had to deal with a flood now is having to deal with wildfires. And, and you could even look towards the heavens then and say, how is this just, how is this fair? I think a lot of times when people say they want justice, they really, they're really talking about fairness more than justice by definition. I think mm-hmm. that they want to know, they want life to be fair. Uh, and unfortunately life is not fair and nowhere in scripture is that guaranteed that it's going to be fair well even more so you look at matthew chapter 7 mm-hmm. with the parable of the wise and the foolish builder and uh it's it's interesting that i commonly use that with clients because and most people have heard the parable but the thing that people forget is the constant in the parable is the storm mm-hmm. and yeah. for those that expect life to be without storms i think jesus gave that example mm-hmm. And uh, the precursor to that's a little more ominous uh, as to why he led into Mm -hmm. uh, the the parable of the wise and the foolish builder. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, as Christians, uh, we should fully expect to have challenges in life. And in that regard, uh, I think it's uh, a little myopic to not really not only expect injustice or unfairness, but then all of a sudden we're a target for Satan as we mm-hmm. were becoming useful in God's hand. Mm-hmm. Um, Satan is is very adept at uh, his skill set uh, mm-hmm. to attack wherever he can with each one of us. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, um, uh, it it is clear to me that uh, no life on earth is ever going to be subject to having fairness uh, right. as, as a, a repertoire for why bad things don't happen to you because it's, you know, I'm good, and therefore I should always be treated fairly. Right, right. And as you alluded to earlier, that definition of good 
varies based on what your standard is and what you're what you're comparing yourself with. Um, as he moves on in the text in eighteen through twenty two, is is kind of this puzzling conversation or or statement he's making where he he basically takes people back and says, "Hey, you're like animals." Uh, and I want to make sure as as we're listening to this, we understand uh, he's he's not talking about eternal things at this point. He's he's talking from a from a simple life, breath, biology. From those standpoints, he is saying humans are like animals, uh, and and the reason he goes there is in the midst of this cry out for justice. If we truly want justice, do we not have to admit our own culpability in the wickedness of the world, in the way things are? Uh, I've been in a lot of conversations lately where I hear people say things like, oh, well, the culture today is just blah, blah, blah. And I, and I always want to stop them and say, aren't, aren't we part of that culture you're blaming for? Things? Like, like, isn't there some responsibility we have in that? Uh, because I think that's, if, if we're truly talking justice, part of that is owning our own portion of whatever has happened. You know, um, again, justice, unfortunately, in some eyes is relative. Mm -hmm. It's relative to when I feel like I'm wrong. <laughs> but, you know, heaven forbid those people have to face, uh, you know, to the extent that you uh, uh, feel that you've been unjustly treated when, if ever, and mm -hmm. most likely there are circumstances, if they truly examine and are honest with themselves, <laughs> that if they had that justice uh, exacted against them, they may have a little bit more forgiveness in their heart. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I can say in our own household, uh, growing up, a great way to talk about justice is when there's only so much soda to drink and you got three kids, you know, one kid gets to pour and then the other two kids get to choose which glass they get. So if kid one pours <laughs> too much in one and then some and then smaller, yeah. Which glass do you think the kid's going to end up with? Well, it's the one who pours gets to pick last. Right. So you know that it, it, it kind of harkens back to the, you know, the uh, do unto others as you yeah. would have them do unto you right. uh, dichotomy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there's still a lot of good in the world, obviously, with yeah. uh, Christ, and and I think as Solomon walks through this. Um, Again, uh, I think you point out a great context with him being one of the most wise persons in the world, being incredibly successful. But uh, the, the 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 quote in in nineteen at the end, everything is meaningless. Yeah. Uh, it it uh, you know there are a lot of philosophers that have that have agreed with that because, and that's their end because they right. don't know Jesus. Yeah. Right. And the importance of the calamity we're going to face mm -hmm. under this new covenant, like we're talking about on Wednesday nights with mm -hmm. Hebrews, mm -hmm. you know, the old covenant was how do you get in front of God and be forgiven for your sins? That was the plan before. Jesus is the plan after. But nonetheless, the failure of the non-Christian is to recognize there will be a judgment. Right, and it will be just. And I'm not trying to steal your thunder. But, but, but leading into but the next but segment, correct. But, yeah, uh, you need you need the mediator. You need mm -hmm. the good lawyer. And yeah. uh, you know Jesus Christ is the best. Mm -hmm. uh, and thank God that uh, He will be there at a time where I 
will not get what I've earned in terms of God's <laughs> right. judgment on me. Right. Uh, yeah. But uh, hopefully we'll recognize him quickly in the courtroom. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you, you definitely want him for the defense, right? Right. Um, the end of chapter three here, the way he closes this with this segment even on comparing us to animals, it, it's all spoken. Solomon's wise. He, he understands what he's saying, but he's asking a very real question. Because he says, who who knows if the spirit of people rises upward and the spirit of animals goes downward? People don't die and then tell you, hey, by the way, when I died, this happened. That doesn't happen. So he's speaking on a very practical matter. You don't know. We, we can believe, but we don't know for certain where things happen, right? So he's, he's asking a very logical question. Uh, and he even says, who can enable him to see what will happen after he dies? You can't do that, right? Uh, now, we, we know how we believe. We see Scripture, and we, we believe that there is life after death that's guaranteed through Christ. But when Solomon's writing this, he's, he's saying, hey, if you, if you just watch an animal die and you watch a person die, there's no way you can discern between the two where, where that one goes and where all you know is their body's going to decompose. So in that way, they're both the same. Um and then he gets into chapter four with, with the acts of oppression. And I think that's where a lot of people in our world have trouble with this idea of if God is just, then how does this happen? You know, people think of a lot of oppressive acts that have happened through history. And, and if God is just, then how did, did that go seemingly unchecked? How did that happen? Um, and for that, there's really not an answer. To a large degree, I know working with students, that question came up a lot. I had a young lady one time say, "Why, why is it that kids that live in this region of Africa have to go to to the dump, you know, the city dump, to find something to eat, and I have a refrigerator full of food?" I, I don't have an answer for that. They were born there. You were born here. There's no, there's no rhyme or reason to that. Um, other than, hey, the fact you've recognized that, one, appreciate what you have and make sure you're being generous towards others who may not have that set up. Uh, it brings on the whole idea of, of, of what mission work is really for as well, mm -hmm. is the fact that you know God's placed that circumstance, that thought in your mind. And the question is, how do you react? Mm -hmm. Do you do nothing? Right. You know, uh, that's not what we're called to do. That's, you know, you look at our mission giving and things like that. Can we correct all of those things? No. Mm -hmm. But uh, to be cold hearted to it, uh, you know, uh, you know, as, you know, as other parts of the New Testament, when did you come see me when I was in prison? When did you come this, you know, the parable of the sheep and the goats? Yeah. Um, you know, as you do into the least of these, you do into me. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of really uh, uh, important scriptures in there that takes us beyond ourselves. But back to your point, you know, the thing I see a lot, especially in the work that I do, is when p persons are in crisis, number one, their character is revealed. Mm -hmm. uh, again, one of my favorite scriptures, anybody who knows me well and been in discipleship classes with me, I just I love the parable of the wise and the foolish builder. But, uh, you know, in that parable, the two builders of the house weren't working on the house when the storm came. Mm -hmm. it was there mm -hmm. and they chose the places to build because of their own choice. Clearly it's easier to build in the sand. Mm -hmm. 
You don't have to worry about the foot or rock is hard. It's mm -hmm. solid, but it's, you know, it's going to withstand the force. Mm -hmm. And you look at somebody in crisis, uh, the question is, what did they do before they got there? Mm -hmm. I think everyone needs to prepare for adversity well before it gets there. Mm -hmm. And again, the parable tells you the storm's coming. Right. So what are you doing to prepare? Mm -hmm. How do you, in your world, in your life and friend groups or family or whatever, you know, how do those people deal with adversity? Mm -hmm. And the scripture is replete with, you know, pray continuously. You know, God will give you peace. And if you look at any single crisis on a time continuum and you focus only on that, you lose the picture. Mm -hmm. And the answer is, again, storms come to both houses. Don't expect it to be rosy. And what the calamity is in your life or that or your family, you don't know that. You right. don't know that before it happened. If you knew, you know, beforehand that somebody was going to be in a car wreck, you wouldn't get in the car. Right. Um, if you knew somebody was going to get cancer, you can't stop that. Right. Uh, if you knew somebody was going to have, you know, uh, other issues, you know, you can't predict those things in, in the future, but you sure can prepare for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, at the end of this, uh, again, back to what we were working on in Hebrews, you know, as Christians, we kind of be, uh, should be focusing on the finish line. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the one thing as odd as it sounds is, I have a great and profound respect for terrorists mm -hmm. because the the vigor and the compassion and the dedication they have mm -hmm. to their cause to die for it. Right. Um, you know, there are missions, missionaries that have mm -hmm. that same mm -hmm. heart, mm -hmm. but you can't fail to respect the dedication and what they're willing to sacrifice mm -hmm. for what they believe. Yeah. To me, it's very sad that they go down that very contorted road sure. that Satan's led them to. Right. But um, at times I wonder about the commitment um, the modern church has mm -hmm. to some things. Mm -hmm. um, but it all kind of comes back full circle to, you know, the oppression piece. Uh, if your reaction is to take the side of a terrorist and want to change it by killing, you can't kill everybody. Right. You know, and then clearly that's not the solution. Right. But uh, the dealing with the conflict piece and understanding in the continuum of your life on earth that there is something far better mm -hmm. and that God created us to accept his son and to have this wonderful eternal life that we did nothing to earn mm -hmm. uh, is where, you know, I, again, I know Solomon ends up with, with the good news at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the passage, but. Yeah, at, uh, at, the, at the end of the, the book of Ecclesiastes, he, he does bring it back around. And, and, you know, in verse three that we looked at now, he, he comes to the conclusion, you know, hey, I one, I admired the dead more than, uh, more than those who are living in verse two, because, hey, they don't have to deal with this anymore. And then in verse three, he says, better than either the living or the dead is the one who, who hadn't even existed, who, who hasn't seen the evil activity that's done under the sun. Uh, and that's it's just odd to think about reaching a point in your life where you're like, man, it's it's better for people who it's better for somebody not to exist than to see what what I've seen. Uh, so so Solomon clearly has seen some things, you know. And we're in, in, while we're talking about justice, you you think back. One of the things Solomon's famous for is making this this odd judgment and decision when there's a dispute over whose baby mm -hmm. belongs to to which woman. And he, he, in his God-given wisdom, says, well, hey, we'll just cut the baby in two, knowing that the mom is going to do anything to spare the life of that child, even giving it to the other woman. Mm -hmm. 
but the one who's not the mom is going to fight for what they deem to be their right. Uh, and so it's just it's just interesting that that he's the one who now comes to the position of saying I've I've seen judgments, I've made judgments. It's better to not to not exist than to have to deal with this. But in Ecclesiastes twelve, just just so our listeners don't uh, <laughs> leave with with depressed uh, tone of this passage, uh, Ecclesiastes twelve. So the end of the book, verse fourteen, he actually says, "For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil." There's there's encouragement in that verse to say, even if you do something good. In secret, God knows it, and there will be a time where where that will be brought into judgment and into account. And for those people you see around the world who are oppressing others, who who are doing these things, it's, it's not that God's not aware of it, but but God has the eternal view of things, and there is a judgment that will come for all of that, uh, and it will be complete in its uh, execution. It will be complete in its. Uh, wrath um, and and so we can take heart in that not that we wish that on anyone uh, if anything that's that's the drive for mission is we want to tell people hey there's there's a way to be forgiven for for what you've done and what's coming your way if you don't uh, receive salvation but I, I want to jump to Romans 8 uh, just just because this idea of justice before if we're not careful it's really easy I think to read scripture and say um, and always view ourselves as the heroes, right? We read Exodus, and we're never the Egyptians who have slaves. We're we're always the Hebrew children who are in bondage. But in reality, sometimes we are the Egyptians. Sometimes we are the Pharaoh. Um, and and so even in this passage, man, sometimes we're the oppressor. Sometimes we're the unjust. Uh, and and that goes back to: Do we really want justice? levied if 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 we're the one responsible and in Romans 8 uh, Paul is is writing about something unique that happens with even with creation in Romans 8 um, uh, starting in, in 19 he says for the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed for the creation was subjected to futility so there's a, a word Solomon uses right not willingly but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And not only that, but we ourselves, who have the Spirit as the firstfruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies." And then a very hopeful verse, 24. Now in this hope we were saved. Yet hope that is seen is not hope because who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. In in Romans, Paul's saying, man, everything you see wrong with the world, the injustice you feel that Solomon sees, there's a reason for that. Solomon's obviously made uncomfortable by it. Paul says, hey, creation itself groans over how broken the world is. And we too, as as followers of Christ, the spirit within us should cause us to groan the same way. When we see uh, oppression and injustice on on TV and on the news, man, we we should be stirred. We should be 
groaning, Lord, come quickly, <laughs> right? Just come back and, and stop this. And Paul says that's, that's by design. We're supposed to do that. Um, I, I think it, if you go all the way back to Genesis 4, uh, you see something really unique after talk about an unjust act. Uh, Genesis 4, you have Cain and Abel, and Abel's just minding his own business, doing, doing what he's supposed to do. And Cain doesn't like the fact that, his, that Abel's sacrifices is acceptable and Cain's is not. So he takes his brother out into the field, murders him. The first murder recorded in Scripture murders him. And in verse 9 and 10, we have this conversation between God and Cain. And it's very interesting because it says, The Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's guardian? Then he said, God said, What have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So instantly we see this inanimate object, like the blood of someone who is dead. It's soaked into the soil, and, and it's crying out to God. It's crying out for justice. So we can see we're not the only ones who cry for justice. Man, creation itself groans and cries out for justice. I love the fact in Romans that Paul points out creation didn't didn't subject itself to this futility. It was put under that by God in the hopes that when God brings all things right in in glory, creation will be restored too. So if you if you read between the lines there, why why are things crazy in creation right now? Because man sinned. So because because mankind sinned, all creation is subjected to this futility that Solomon sees. You know, a lot of times I try to take a, a position and, and, and flip it 360 degrees. So let's let's assume, for instance, that the world is totally just. Right. Why do we need Christ then? Exactly. So, you know, early in my years, one of my prayers was to remove problems for my family, resolve, mm-hmm. just remove them so sure. they don't have to deal with them. Yeah. But a world with no injustice is number one, it's heaven. Mm-hmm. So we know that's not, it's not right. here yet. It's right. going to happen. It's going to happen, but it's not but, here yet. But the fertility, uh, really the, the, the infancy with which I was praying for that and my recognition of, uh, the fact that the bumps are what we climb on, both that's, uh, you know, you, you kind of understand that the bumps mm-hmm. are the adversity. Right. But Warren Wiersbe has a great book called The Bumps Are What We Climb On. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have read that. And, you know, uh, we need God now. Mm-hmm. We need Jesus now. We need to help. We get the peace that transcends all understanding mm-hmm. when we pray about, uh, about things. Um, and, that's our promise that we will get to a spot where it's perfectly just Mm -hmm. and there is no motive for sin in my heart or in anybody's because we are in union with Christ. But you you go back and and, and you just kind of wonder, I can't wait to have the conversation with God. Is it, how did you tolerate us? Right. Right. You know, why did you, you know, you must really love us because of how we fouled things up in every generation. Mm -hmm. We've, we, we, we just, we, there are pockets of hope, uh, but there are pockets of, you're just thinking, you know, 
again, I go back to, so this, this, this thing with Noah. Yeah. So is right. that, is that, is that when you finally say, okay, I'm done. Right. I'm going to take a full time out. And, yeah. and, and is that what happened or, um, <laughs> right. but you come back and even to more of Jesus's teachings, you know, I uh, taught Sunday school for 17 years and loved the parables because there's so many different directions you can look at those from. But another parable that kind of lends itself to this is, strangely enough, it's the parable of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. So like you said, sometimes we're the Egyptians, sometimes we're whatever. And so as you read that, that, that uh, you know, that, that parable, you know, you, you start introducing it to the kids and then you start to say, but this is a parable. Maybe there was an actual familiar situation sure. like that, but most yeah. likely it's 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 an example. Yeah. But then you try to make them relate to you're you're the prodigal. Mm-hmm. I'm the prodigal. Mm-hmm. But as I studied that more, I looked at the brother mm-hmm. yeah. of the prodigal. Right. And thinking he was always with the father. Mm-hmm. That was his benefit. That was part yeah. of his inheritance. He didn't have to go through right. the struggles that the brother went through because he took his inheritance, he went out and he right. sinned and whatever. But yet, even in that example, and I think it's important and instructive to me, because even as a Christian, you know, if I look at my brother who's had problems and come in, I hope that I'm not like the brother of the prodigal. I hope right. there's a right. celebration of right. that. Yeah. But the fact that Jesus would go to the point to point out another character mm-hmm. that is very rarely ever written about. Mm-hmm. And it's another, as my grandfather would once say, it's a good example mm-hmm. of a bad example. Yeah. Is yeah. Right. don't right. be the brother mm-hmm. of the prodigal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and that's a real testament to the modern church. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a testament to a lot of churches, is as you see those, you know, again, we talked about Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self and, and self control. Self control. Yeah. You know, those are the fruits we need to feed to people that don't have them. Because if the spirit's in us, the fruit's not for us. Right. So you get back to wondering who were the fruit bearers for Solomon when he was feeling like this. Right. right. You know, yeah. who is the yeah. Barnabas? Who's the encourager right. for yeah. Solomon when he's yeah. got all this wisdom? And, uh, you know, in my life, when I get into a brief situation, I've got, a, a, there's a lot of fog. Uh, I call it analysis paralysis. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of get to the point where God has revealed all of this to Solomon, all this wisdom, and the net sum of it is kind of like David's sermon two Sundays ago. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at John Belushi, you look at some of these Elvis Presley, you look at some of these that have been worldly successful. Mm-hmm. But any measure, they can go into any country and be beloved. They could get a free meal at any restaurant. <laughs> right. Right. And But yet they're... they're they don't understand much like I think Solomon's framing up is you can be the most successful viewed person in the world and not make it to heaven yeah, and then still be not satisfied. Right. You know, uh, for, you know, you could gain the world and, mm-hmm. and, and then look where you end up. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, I, I think this idea of justice is, is always on the, the cusp of the world measuring whether or not you are good or not right because something doesn't happen to you you must be good right wrong analysis that's yeah. you know foundationally you you started with a premise that's not true mm-hmm. is if i'm good then this mm-hmm. you know i uh had symbolic logic in, in college and loved it because i use it now but the same the same theory would be is i don't have elephants in my house and i listen to country music both are true right. but they're not causal 
Right. Yeah. I don't, it's yeah. not, it's right. just because I, there aren't elephants in Harrodsburg. That's why I don't have them in my house. <laughs> yeah. But it has nothing to do with whether I listen to country music or, 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 or what I listen to. Right. But at the end of the day, the world looks at goodness and justice as causal mm-hmm. too many times. Right. And one doesn't cause the other. In fact, justice is a result of, you know, bad experiences typically that you see right. it exacted by a government through a, uh, you know, a criminal yeah. case. Yeah. But uh, I can tell you, I've had lots of folks who've made bad decisions that uh, I give encouragement to mm-hmm. because the wise and the foolish builder, uh, you know, and, and, and Jeremiah, you know, the Lord knows the plans I have for you, plans to help you, not to hurt you, plans for hope in the future. And, and if you look at that and have the peace and understanding that, you know, Jesus forgives it all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a broad spectrum of crimes out there, and that's that's not to pigeonhole just those because to say you went through your life and never committed a crime sure. ain't good enough. Right, no. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it really, uh, I think it really is, a, is an opportunity. It's another reason why I think I was drawn back to Harrodsburg is to have those experiences with people and to share mm-hmm. that with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I know now more than ever why God put me back here. I had mm-hmm. opp- opportunities to go elsewhere, but... Uh, I think our mission field in our work, whether you're even if you're not practicing mm-hmm. law, mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to be a pastor to share this kind of news. Right. And when you see people in your life going through these struggles because they felt like they've been treated unjustly, that's when you feed them mm-hmm. the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of that work the spirit does inside of us is a, a divine intervention in their life. Right. And to read these words, going back to Matthew chapter seven, you know, the parable leads into those who hear these words and put them into practice Mm -hmm. are like the man who built his house on the rock. And then the man who built them in the sand and the man who built them in the sand clearly didn't pay attention, may have heard the words, but (laughs) did not put them into practice. And that putting them into practice piece is, is uh, a lot easier said than done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Putting, putting anything into practice requires work. It does. Uh, There's a reason you practice law. Right, right. It involves, not perfect. It involves work for all clients out there, but it, but it involves work. It does, right? uh, and you know, for anybody listening who who says, "Okay, that's great," but you don't know the injustice my family has experienced, or you don't know the situation I'm in now. Here's where where we want to kind of go and, and end with: understand that the God we're talking about is not a God who doesn't understand injustice. He's not a God who sits in some lofty place and, and observes from a distance. We, we've already given an example from Genesis of, of how, man, creation itself was calling out to him about the injustice of, of that murder between Cain and Abel. But I want to go to Matthew 27, um, starting in verse 45. This, this, is, this is the account of the crucifixion of Jesus, which if you're familiar with the, the story at all, this event in history, Jesus who Pilate, who's the, the Roman governor, even says, I, I find no fault with this man. So here's, here's the judicial system of the day, a judge, as it were, in, in Pilate's case, saying, this man's not guilty. But the, the crowd of people still want him to be crucified, so he is given over to be crucified. So he's given the death penalty Though, though the ruling authority in the situation says he's innocent. I want to talk injustice. 
if if that were on the news today, that somebody were on trial and they were proven innocent, and the result was still death penalty, what kind of uproar would there be? And in verse 45, we pick up, he is on the cross at this point. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. I don't know about you. Normally, noon to three is not dark. So something's going on with creation already in this, in this example. At about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, fixed it on a reed, and offered him a drink. But the rest said, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. Jesus shouted again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. Suddenly, the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom. Here's creation again. The earth quaked and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had gone to their rest were raised, and they came out of the tombs after his resurrection, entered the holy city, and appeared to me. Creation goes bonkers when Christ is crucified because this is the singular injustice of human history. The Son of God who is completely innocent, not just from a legal standpoint, but from a sin standpoint, in his standing before God, completely innocent, is put to death by his, by his own choosing and submitting to pay the penalty for us. And creation looks at that and says, that's not right. And, and, and the sun and the clouds are like, darkness, this, this is not right. <laughs> We're not shining on this. And, and the ground shakes and breaks open and dead people dead people even <laughs> regenerate and come back to life like this is not okay this is a god who knows about injustice you know it, it, the scriptures are clear and i think the takeaway for me for this study is for us to expect there to be perfect justice is unrealistic mm-hmm. So then the question is, I hope I've tried to teach my kids, is prepare for adversity before it gets there. Yeah. And that's the kind of the takeaway from the parable of the wise and the foolish builder. But the, the scripture that comes to mind to me is that in that regard, as you said, Christ and, and God knows mm-hmm. that we're going to suffer this. Yeah. And, and what do they do? They give us the antidote to that. Yeah. Because right. in, in my Bible, if I had it with me, it said prayer and anxiety are the two great opposing forces in the Christian life. And I, and I go to Philippians 4, mm-hmm. 6. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all our standing will guard your hearts and your souls in Christ Jesus. So that's that's the 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 the, the premise. But he doesn't stop there. And, right. and a lot of the sermons I've heard on this stops there. And they leave out the best part. So the antidote to worry that he puts in Scripture is in, in 8 and for the rest of that, it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, mm-hmm. whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned and received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into the practice, and the, and the God of peace will be with you. Mm-hmm. 
So it's it's a laundry list for how to deal with anxiety. Anxiety yeah. comes from injustice. Right. And Christ gets it. He walked on the earth. And, you know, I've, I've talked to my Sunday school class about this, is that, you know, I know Christ was a physical man. Mm-hmm. And so he had some of the traits that we do as, as, as humans. He wasn't inhuman. Right. But to that end, he being part of the Trinity, he felt the temptations and resisted them. He felt the injustice at his death. He saw the injustice over his lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, he saw the misguided way that the world and even the religious leaders were looking at mm-hmm. what he was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the unfortunately, a lot of uh, the Jewish, Jewish faith don't recognize him because they thought he was there for a political solution. Mm-hmm. And he was not. Right. And that... My heart breaks for that, yeah. for them. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, the solution isn't that we're going to have perfect justice on earth. It's the promise we're going to have perfect justice at the end of it mm-hmm. is ultimately the takeaway. And then the interim, we've got Christ to be with us right now. Right. And as opposed to the way Solomon's looked at that, you know, he he sent Christ so that we'd have the spirit and we'd have joy during life. Mm-hmm. And we'd have an abundant life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unfortunately, Solomon didn't have the benefit of the right. New Testament right. uh, yeah. at that time. Yeah. But uh, it, it uh, again, there is a great end, uh, and he points to it. But uh, uh, it would be interesting, again, at that time in heaven to sit down with Solomon and say, hey, Solomon, let's have a chat. Yeah. Let's go back to thir- <laughs> three and let's four, back to, and yeah. Uh, yeah. let's, let, let's yeah. talk about uh, kind of what was going on yeah. at your life in that time. And, and um uh, yeah. Again, to be able to have those discussions, to sit down with Paul oh, yeah. at some yeah. point and, and uh, you know, talk about that road to Damascus thing. And because all those are, you know, those are injustices. Those mm-hmm. are our pivotal moments uh, going back to what I said before. And that's when your character is revealed. Mm-hmm. So, again, all the more reason why we do discipleship, all mm-hmm. the more reason why it's important that we stay in this word, that we read these scriptures, because that empowers us, the armor Mm-hmm. that we talk about that empowers us to withstand the injustices we're going to see because God knows every bit of it, but he right. doesn't leave us without power mm-hmm. to face the injustice on earth. Even, right. Uh, even though we have an eternal promise of, of perfect justice, uh, we're not powerless. Right. And, and, and again, unfortunately it, uh, if you were if you're stuck only in three and four of Ecclesiastes, <laughs> it would seem like that would be your conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I love the the rawness of Solomon to say in those moments from from a position of wisdom, hey, if this is all there is, then there's no point. And 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 that is reality. And so uh, the, the challenge there is, man, what why would you want to live that way? Right? So so if that's the case, man, life life is kind of bleak. But if you believe as we do that, hey, God God created all things and he's working all these things together to, to bring about this other result and Christ paid the way for, we, we don't get justice, we get mercy, we get grace. Uh, justice is served, it, it was served on the cross. Jesus bore the wrath of a holy God, a righteous God against the sin of humanity and he took it in full so that God can still be just. God's a just God. He levied judgment on sin 
then. And if you receive that gift from Christ, if you say, hey, I'm going to let him stand in my place, then when you go to judgment, that's that's what, hey, your, your sin's been taken care of. Your punishment's been dealt out. But if you choose to stand on your own, on your own merit, whatever you feel that is in this life, you're not going to find a judge who is, who is merciful and gracious at that point. You're going to find a judge who is holy and just, and he's going to view the, the sin that you bring with you, and there will be punishment for that. And that's, that's what should drive us as believers to make sure that we're telling everybody, hey, you don't have to do that. <laughs> there is a perfectly good mediator who, who will stay the hand of execution on, on your sentence. Uh, and, uh, you know, so if you're listening today and, and you find yourself frustrated with the injustice you see in the world, know that you're not alone. We, we, we all have times where, where if we think about it, we're frustrated with that. And for the Christian, that should drive us to pray ever, ever more often, Lord, come quickly and, and, and restore things to the way you intended them to be. Uh, but while we're here, every day we wake up, we need to realize he's extended history for one more day. And that's to give us an opportunity to, to continue to share his love and his uh, message of, of hope with a world that's in desperate need of it. You know, you think too, in the continuum of history, there's always been those that have stood out. And one in this circumstance to me is Pascal. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard Pascal's mm -hmm. wager. Mm -hmm. But to a world that thinks that you can be uh, a good person, follow the law, you know, work with charities, nothing's wrong with that. But Pascal pointed out that, you know, if you believe that, and that's all there is, and you're wrong, look what happens. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the contrast to that is if, if I believe what I believe and I'm wrong at the end, what have I wasted? Right. Yeah. Nothing. And, and granted, you know, it's kind of an, uh, a, it, it, it's a different perspective on why and how you deal with existential questions mm -hmm. of what happens to me mm -hmm. after I die. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't necessarily like to think of it in that context because I'm a carrot guy, not a stick guy. Right, right, right. But uh, yeah, yeah. but that's certainly a stick kind of proposition. Yeah. And uh, he was ridiculed for that. Mm -hmm. And today in today's world, we get ridiculed mm -hmm. for some of the positions we have. Um, and you know, Christ said, "Expect that." Mm -hmm. You know, we're, luckily in the states, we're not martyred. Right. Um, we may be kicked off Twitter. <laughs> uh, which, you know, sure. oh, heaven forbid. But um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, uh, I, I just hope and pray that people that feel that frustration and are looking for answers understand that that's Christ. That's mm -hmm. the Spirit talking. Yeah. Uh, you don't have those existential-type questions. Why did this happen to me? How am I going to handle this? Uh, without that nudge. Right. And uh, hopefully our church and other congregations can— be in the position to offer this fruit of the spirit, to offer this antidote to anxiety, because the world wants that in a, such a great way. Mm -hmm. And it, I forgot, it's probably back during the, I guess, the summer. Bo was talking about, uh, and you were talking about the the suppers mm -hmm. that 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 we have, and we have such a great buffet of mm -hmm. what we have to offer the world. And I wonder why at times I don't feel like we market 
mm-hmm. what this is very well on Christ's behalf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because all of this is antidotes to, to injustice. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, um, you know, we've got a great answer. Um, and uh, I, I hope the world hears that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, we, we hope that this talk today has been uh, a blessing to you and been beneficial to you. Uh, again, as we always state, if, if there is anything we at Harrisburg Baptist can do for you, you can find ways to contact us through the, the podcast and uh, online. Uh, and if you're in the Mercer County, Harrisburg area, and you don't have a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching body that you are a part of, man, we would encourage you to come and, and visit with us. Uh, and if we're not the right one for you, we'll, we'll help you find one that fits you. Uh, and uh, we're not designed to do this alone. We're designed to walk this uh, walk with Christ with other believers because we're all going to have times like Solomon where we get frustrated and we need somebody to be that encouraging voice. Uh, and so uh, if, if, if that's you today, if you don't have that body, please, please find one. Uh, that will teach the Bible, that will that will walk with you. Uh, and until next time, this has been the Sharing Our Journey podcast, a podcast ministry of Harrodsburg Baptist Church.